Hello and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Susie Bullock is the barbecue brain behind the popular Hey Grill Hey brand and website. Her passion for smoked meats and developing fun and delicious recipes has landed her on the Food Network multiple times. She has cooked turkeys with Shaq and has even attempted to compete in several Guinness Book of World Records. Hey Grill Hay is now a full-time business with several employees. She has also developed a line of sauces and spices to go with her delicious meals. They have developed an app and created a fantastic barbecuing education resource online called The Grill Squad. When she isn't grilling, she's hanging out with her husband, Todd, and their three kiddos, preferably outside right here in Utah. Susie, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. That was a great intro. You covered all the bases. I think we're good. That's pretty cool. You sound like a very cool (laughs) individual (laughs) based on all that stuff. It's well earned. I mean, I've been looking at all of your content for quite a while now, and boy, you do a lot of work. (laughs) It is a lot of work, and we also have a really great team. It started out as kind of like a one-man show, but it's it's grown and we have we have a really great crew helping us out now. That, that's awesome. I love that. Before we get into that story and telling that story, can you help me convince people not to move to Utah? It's way too hot. It's the middle of summertime. Nothing to see here. Nothing to do where you live. Like, don't move here. I mean, it's basically fire and brimstone right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Actually, though, it's 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 cranking above like 115 every single day. And there's literally like three fires on all sides of us. So, I mean, now's maybe not the best. time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, let's, let's promote that. That's great. Yeah. Fires everywhere. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Utah's kind of fun because you really can, like I'm, I'm based out of Salt Lake, but you can drive in, you know, in your car and go in any direction in pretty much like two, three, four hours. You're in a completely different landscape. You might be in a different climate zone. There's so much diversity and you live in a city that I used to live in that I absolutely love, which is St. George. Can you tell us about yes. uh, the city of St. George? Uh, St. George is amazing. My husband grew up about 45 minutes outside of St. George. And, uh, you know, we lived in Northern Utah. That's where I grew up. So we spent about 13 years in Northern Utah after we got married and found our way back South. Cause like you said, the climate is so unique. Uh, it really is this high desert environment, which is really cool. And I really love it. And, uh, just kind of felt like home with the Red Rocks. It feels like Utah feels like a different planet in some ways. Like it, there's nothing like it anywhere else. And you're right, just a few hours. I grew up, you know, spending my summers in Bryce Canyon. And that was kind of my my backcountry home in the summers. Wow. And it's it's really amazing. There's there's nowhere else I've I've ever been that's that's quite like Utah. It's pretty cool to visit. Wow, that's amazing. Bryce Canyon is amazing, but there are so many little gems in that area that people don't know about, like like Kodachrome Basin or Calf Creek Falls. Yep. Like there's so many cool spots down there that are just a little bit off the beaten path. But if you can find them, boy, it's it's pretty magical. You're right with the red rocks and everything, just so beautiful. Well. Yeah. That's awesome. You don't exactly fit the mold of most barbecue chefs that I've ever seen. Um, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote uh, comedian Daniel Tosh when he said, it's not a stereotype if it's always true. <laughs> how, yeah. how did you get into barbecuing? Um, you know, when, when maybe you didn't exactly fit that mold. Uh, barbecuing kind of found me, which is really exciting. I grew up in a restaurant family, so I've always been around food and, Uh, you know, I grew up in a big family also, and Sunday dinners were kind of this real moment where my mom was intentional about gathering people together and having these sit down dinners. And that was really impactful way for me to grow up and really see, you know, the emotional power that food can have with everybody that gathers around and eats it. And, uh, so I've always loved food. I always, when I started my own family, cooking family dinners was a big deal. And, 
sitting down, even when it was just my husband and me and one baby, like we would sit down and have a family meal and going out to eat was this big deal. And so food was always just a part of my, my culture, my family culture, my home life. So that was always there. Barbecue kind of came at me from a different direction. So when I had my first baby, she was six months old. We kind of needed some supplementary income. Um, we were a one income family and I didn't want to like get like a in-person job job. And so I started working in online content creation for a lady that was in Utah that I had known growing up. And she was running a blog about couponing. And that was kind of my first introduction to the world of blogging as a business and not just because I mean, back then it was pre-Facebook. So it was people when they had blogs, it was like they were actually like journaling about their day or their week or spreading the news to their family and friends where they could go read the blog and see what was going on because Facebook, I mean, there was, there was really no other way. There were no social media. So uh, that's, that's where I learned about online content creation as a business. And uh, I was able to put two and two together when I had a friend working for a company called Traeger Grills that manufactures these wood-fired smokers. And they're based out of Utah also. And she was my neighbor and said, you know, this guy is working in marketing at Traeger. They want to start a recipe blog. And I know that you have a couple of years of experience blogging. And I know you're a huge foodie. Like, I think you'd be awesome. You should, you know, see if you can get this job. So I put in the application and that's, you know, kind of the beginning of the end when it comes to barbecue. They dropped off a smoker on my porch and said, okay, cool. We just need you to create, like develop and create five recipes a week for us starting on Monday. Wow. I said, okay. And our only grill at the time, it was a like a free barbecue that we'd picked up off of Craigslist. It had spider webs on it when we got it. We'd cooked on it quite a bit, but uh, you know, anyone that is familiar with outdoor cooking, there's gas fired cooking, and there's wood fired cooking, and they're two very, very different animals in terms of how the grills function and how the food tastes and how the cooking process works. And so it was a whole world for me to dive into and learn. And I loved everything about it. And I was, I was hooked. Like that was that, like I said, it was the beginning of the end. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I'm so glad you mentioned Traeger. They are an amazing company. Um, my Traeger is sitting in my backyard. I resisted buying one for so many years because they were kind of expensive. It paid <laughs> for itself. Like, yeah, but like the first weekend, we cooked like so many meals. I remember it was over Easter weekend. And so Bethany called it Meatster. And every year, yeah. it's, our, it's our tradition to do a Meatster dinner where we meatster just do- Meatster now. Yep, exactly. We do all kinds of different things. <laughs> does, Traeger, does Traeger still use some of those recipes that you have? help them develop? I do. I think some of them are still on their app and some of them are still on their website. I think they've all been re-photographed since then. Thank goodness, because my pictures were terrible. <laughs> They're so bad. I look back at some of the pictures that I took and I'm all, oh my gosh, they like actually let me post that on the internet. Bless their hearts. Um, but it was years ago, I think um, almost nine years ago now that I started writing recipes for Traeger and I worked for them for a couple of years and I, it was the dream job. I got to work from home. I got to develop recipes, you know, with my kids underfoot in the kitchen and uh, it was, it was really amazing. And I, I got to kind of get to know the barbecue community through this pellet world initially, and just found some really amazing people and the online communities, you know, there is that public visual stereotype of the big burly barbecue dudes, but a lot of the comments that I were seeing coming in online and a lot of the people I were interacting with in these, you know, social media barbecue groups were people like me. They were just like, moms and dads and, you know, people that wanted to feed their families really good food off of these cookers. And I just felt like, man, there has to be 
other people out there like us. <laughs> like <they're, laughs> it can't just be, you know, the competition bar, the big burly competition barbecue cooks. And it can't just be the restaurant pitmasters. Like there is a whole community of backyard barbecue enthusiasts that I just didn't feel were necessarily being represented in the online space. And so when I finally took the leap and started doing my own thing on Hey Grill Hey, uh, just over six years ago now, I wanted to really represent that community that I felt I was a part of. And I wanted to give a face to the moms that were at home slinging out awesome ribs in their backyard for their kids and their neighbors, you know? Wow. And that was a really, uh, a really fun, fun group to start cooking for and to become a part of. And now like the, the backyard barbecue community is just so vibrant and so incredibly diverse. And there is every group of people from every walk of life. And our goal is truly the same. Like we just want to make good food for the people that we care about. Wow. And it's fantastic. That's so amazing. So, I mean, it sounds like it was, you know, part of your job. And so you, you had to use a barbecue anyway, but there, yeah. there really is something like primal and magical about cooking food <laughs> over a fire. It's so different. Yes. And people don't realize, I mean, you're only two generations away from your great grandma or grandpa cooking everything over a fire. That's right. It was not a long time ago that, uh, you know, ovens, electric or gas ovens in homes were introduced. It's really recent in terms of like the longevity of humanity. 99% of our history, we have been cooking outside over an open fire <laughs> yep. or even inside over a controlled open fire. But truly, uh, you know, indoor electric or gas cooking is a very, very, very recent. And so when you say primal, I, you know, I'll add on to that. It's almost instinctual. Mm. And there is this intimidation factor, I think, for a lot of people initially, whether it's, you know, cost inhibitive or whether it's just they don't have the experience. And that kind of acts as a, a barrier of entry, almost a stumbling block to get started. But what I have found is when people just take that first step and they cook their first recipe and they have that first success, it does, it becomes this tidal wave where that's how it should taste. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is how it should always be. Like this is, I want everything to come off of this cooker. I want everything <laughs> to be cooked over a wood fire. And it ignites this, like this kind of craze inside where it, it feels like, you know, all of your ancestors are whispering over your shoulder. Like, yes, that's, this is the way like, uh, you, you're figured it out. Okay. This episode's over. I'm going to go cook something right now. This has been another episode. <laughs> of um, that, yeah, that just, that sounds so amazing. And we can't really comment on the method of cooking without talking a little bit about the, the, you know, what we're cooking itself. I mean, we've had so many paleo archeologists come on and say, not only do we cook over a fire, but we ate a lot of meat. And that that's kind of a weird thing in 2021 where, you know, we're, we're making meat out of different ingredients and, and putting it together and calling it meat. And, you know, that's fine if that's stuff you want to eat. But for you, especially, you know, being a female, being almost like an outsider kind of going into this kind of community, was that ever a difficulty for you as somebody who consumed and, and made and cooked meat? Um, the whole, you know, women and meat thing. I think I was a little bit concerned about there being resistance, but I really never experienced a lot of it personally. Like there'll be comments now and then online. Um, but I mean, I, you really learn to have a thick skin about online comments really quickly because I don't know that person and they are not like 
really impactful in my life. And so I can't put a lot of weight on that, that type of commentary. Um, but everyone that I've talked to in person has been incredibly supportive. And if you ask my family, I mean, even as a kid growing up, they called me a carnivore. I've, I've always (laughs) loved a medium rare steak. I've never shied away from eating meat off the bone, be it chicken or ribs. And you know, that, that can be a thing that is a little bit disconcerting for a lot of people. But I still remember the first time my dad gave me the chef's knife and taught me how to break down a whole chicken when I was probably in junior high. So I just, I grew up around food and I grew up around whole animal cooking and whole cut cooking and meat on the bone. And so it never felt like a big leap for me to take. Um, And even now, I think we need to be conscientious of the meat that we consume, not necessarily for the sake of quantity, but for the sake of quality. Mm. And again, the meat that we eat now is not the same meat. And when I'm talking about commercially or conventionally grown um, and processed animals, it is not the same animals that our grandparents were eating. It's truly not. Um, Genetics have changed so much in the last 150 years. Animal husbandry practices have changed so much in the last 150 years. And so I think um, more than anything, I've just become a more conscientious consumer and my kids you know, get to experience the same thing, which is cool. We buy a lot of animals from like 4-H club, the junior 4-H club kids that raise them every spring and we get them locally processed. And that's something that I want them to be a part of too. And I want my kids to have the experience of seeing the animals that they're eating and having a real appreciation that, you know, the meat that we eat is a life and it has value and it has purpose. And so we do the best that we can with it. And barbecue is really cool because barbecue encourages a lot more whole animal cooking than you'll find in other types of like fine dining establishments or, you know, even just fast food, to be honest with you, because we get to cook those really big, tough cuts that would generally just be grind or cast off and turn them into really, really, really amazing things. That's how barbecue kind of came to be in certain areas of the United States is these big whole cuts that the butchers were having a hard time offloading. (laughs) They (laughs) threw them on the fire, cooked them for a real, real long time and they tasted great. And then they could sell and make a profit on these big cuts that were more difficult to offload on the average consumer that didn't have that kind of time. So, I mean, barbecue has a real long history with uh, respecting the animal and respecting the whole animal. And so that's, that's something that, I, I mean, I've always eaten meat. I grew up eating meat. My kids have grown up eating meat and that's just something that I want to continue. And I just want them to be conscientious consumers about the meat that they're eating. I think that's the best thing that we can do right now. That is so beautifully explained. You alluded to this. First of all, I think it's super cool that you get the whole family and the kids involved and getting a little bit closer (laughs) to the source of the food. That's awesome. That's great. Um, My question is specifically, and again, you alluded to this, but I want you to uh, kind of reiterate this, the gratitude that you feel for your food as you've gone through this journey, do you feel like the gratitude for the food that you consume and, and the people around you that they feel also for the food that they consume? Have, have you experienced an increase in gratitude for your meals? Oh, hundred percent. And I think, um, part of that comes from the, having the time to sit down and eat it together and have these conversations. I think a lot of that is lost, uh, because food becomes a convenience. Um, it becomes a, a quick and necessary evil almost to just get through our day. Like, yeah, we have to eat something. Here's food. We're going to eat it. When we sit down and have a meal as a family, like it really is a privilege and a luxury to be able to have the time and the means to to provide a meal and sit down and eat a meal. But I think it is one of the most beneficial things that we can do 
for the people that we gather around our table because it does, it increases your gratitude for the food that you eat. It increases your appreciation for what went into the cooking process. And that's one cool thing about working from home. You know, this business has allowed me to work from home. And, you know, like I said, my kids have been raised in the kitchen and in the backyard around the smokers. And they know when something takes many, many hours to prepare because they witness it and they see it and they get to, they get to feel what goes into, you know, the food that they get to eat. And, they love sharing it. Like they love telling their teachers about the website and they love telling their friends about barbecue, you know, like not, I don't think any of them are even going to go into barbecue as a career, but just as a part of our family culture, like they love talking about food and they love sharing this part of our lives with people. We even, uh, a couple of years ago, my son's class was doing like a Thanksgiving potluck and everybody brought something in and his teacher, he told his teacher all about, Hey, grill, Hey, and brought him like t-shirts and seasonings. And so his teacher asked if we would cook the turkeys for their, like the third grade <laughs> Thanksgiving <laughs> feast. So my kids are eating breakfast in the morning and I'm sitting here cutting like backbones out of turkeys and they get that first hint. My daughter was like, I think most kids would be really grossed out by this. Like just watching you like hack apart an entire bird. <laughs> the <laughs> breakfast table, but they're, they're like, it's just normal for us. It's just a part of the experience. And so I don't know, we'll see, we'll see if they're totally scarred when they grow up. We'll see how many vegetarians we turn out, but <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, you never know. They get to choose their own life path, <laughs> that's right? right? That's right. But for now they're all invested and they all think it's pretty cool and they think it's fun and they like being a part of it. So that's amazing. <laughs> Are you like me when you break down a chicken, do you, do you just go like fully like grizzly bear style and just rip at the part on the bottom of the chicken that has all the like the best best parts of the chicken <laughs> of course skin Those little, just like, uh, oh. oh the little there are these little like nuggets along the back of a chicken or a turkey yes it has they're a special best. name and it's something like it does it's like french for like you're stupid if you don't eat this or something i just call them like the little the little turkey gems oh so good that's they're a good name for it so good that's great so i think I think between, I would say baking would really compare to something that is like really intimidating to an outsider. I remember learning how to make sourdough bread a few years ago and like learning how to, you know, have the right temperatures and measure things in grams mm -hmm. and like, oh man, that was really tough. And I think for a lot of people, smoking or grilling could be kind of the same. I mean, where should people start if they want to get more involved in this kind of thing? I definitely think that intimidation factor is a barrier of entry, regardless of your gender. It really is just that first like, because even my husband, when we first got married and, you know, had our first grill, he's like, I guess I'm supposed to know how to do this. Like, but he didn't, <laughs> but it was like, this is my role and responsibility. I'm the person that grills the meats that, you know, that's like the culturally accepted thing. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know how to use this thing either. <laughs> and so we kind of got to figure it out together. But, um, honestly, I think the very best thing that you can do is start with what you have, even if that's a grill pan on your stove top. Um, and find something that you've always enjoyed eating, whether that's just like a grilled chicken breast on a salad, whether it's grilled asparagus that your mom cooked growing up in the springtime, like find something that you enjoy eating first of all, um, and think, okay, this is a recipe that I would like to make because I grew up eating it on the grill. And if chances are, if you grew up eating this grilled, it's probably not incredibly difficult um, it, it'll be a good like stepping stone for you and you might know how it's supposed to taste. So you can have something to judge against. I would say for your very first time cooking, don't go all out and buy an $80 brisket. 
um, you know, start with something affordable, start with something approachable and start with something that you have uh, familiarity with, something that will give you that sense of nostalgia, something that will give you that sense of family, because not only will that build your confidence, but it'll build your affinity for this cooking process uh, by kind of giving you all those, those good vibes that you had growing up eating that food. And then start looking for a recipe. Um, you know, you might know the name of it, or you might have a recipe that was handed down to you. If so, that's totally amazing. My mom has this amazing recipe box that is just full, chock full of things that we, we ate growing up and my sister has it. And it's absolutely the best to be able to look through the recipe box, you know, and find something that triggers that same level of nostalgia. But even if you don't have a recipe box at home, chances are you can find a similar recipe online and just get started. Follow a recipe. Um, people think recipes are difficult, but it's really just a set of instructions and a good written recipe will tell you exactly what you need to do. And online, there's so much information online now. Food blogs have come such a long way. And those posts, you know, they used to just be like the family story about somebody's grandma who made this thing and they ate it in under the willow trees or whatever. Um, but nowadays like food blogs are packed with information. There will be tips in there. There will be tricks in there. There will be recipe substitutions. If you don't have a specific ingredient, there'll even be tips on like how to freeze it and reheat it for leftovers later. Like a lot of these recipe posts now are just written so specifically with you as a user in mind that you can turn out an awesome product on your first try. That is great advice. I love that. One of the things I'll have my clients do if they're looking for a different recipe, um, you know, I'll have them first type out in Google, like what ingredients do you think you want to use? So maybe it's chicken, like you mentioned, and then what method do you want to cook yeah. it with? Do you want to use a cast iron? Do you want to use a grill? Whatever. So type in grill. And then yep. when you search it, don't just like scroll through all the written words, click images immediately so that you can look and see row after row after row of, of all these pictures of the recipes and then just go by how does that look and then start opening them up and make sure that it's in your wheelhouse. It's simple. It's well explained, like you said, but you're right. There's yep. no shortage of great resources as far as things like that out there. Exactly. And like, you know, a lot of blog, a lot of readers on the website, on the internet have kind of come to be like, just give me the recipe. But truly like that is useless for a majority of home cooks. Um, just a written recipe is not going to benefit anybody who's a beginner, anybody who's trying something for the first time, having that like context for a recipe and these tips and tricks that come before it can be so beneficial. So yes, look for good photography. Um, but even at the end of the day, that might not be your best indicator. So take a minute and read, read the post, see if it feels like something, you know, you could tackle and check the ingredients list. Make sure that it has food that you either have on hand or that you can acquire easily at the grocery store and look at the cook time. Make sure you have, you know, enough time in your day to plan for this recipe and then just have fun. I think barbecue is so fun and people, are there is that intimidation factor behind it but once you knock out that first dish like man there is this level of euphoria i call it the backyard barbecue hero moment like you literally could be wearing a cape and spandex you feel so invincible uh because you just did this awesome thing and you're feeding your family and the people that you love and the people you care about and so that's that's my whole goal i just want people to make better barbecue so they can have that like 
amazing backyard barbecue hero moment. Incredible. I mean, what's better than that? Taking care of the people around you with love and food and like making amazing food. That's incredible. That's a great tip. Yeah. Um, it's interesting when I'm, when I'm trying to work with somebody with their nutrition, I find that there is a big rate limiting gap when they don't have like the basic skills, like even just kitchen skills, like how to use a knife, what, what's a proper cutting board to use? Is that something you run into a lot as well? Um, I like to say that I'm writing my recipes for uh, toddlers and drunk adults, but <laughs> but I am not going to explain what a dice is on every single recipe. But again, Google is your best friend. Don't be afraid to look up like, what does dice mean or how to dice an onion? Because there are clips everywhere that can show you in two minutes how to dice an onion. Like no longer do you have to go to culinary school to learn French cuts or, you know, like any of these things. These, these basic kitchen skills, they do not have to be inherent. But I will tell you, um, even people that I have heard say, like, I'm useless in the kitchen. I'm completely, like, it's not possible. I just, I can't figure it out. Like, no, that's not true because you would be dead. Like, you have figured out how to survive and eat food. <laughs> <laughs> and it is within your best interest as a human being to learn how to cook and eat food because that means that you will survive. Um, you have to eat to be able to live and your ancestors did too and they figured it out and you are equally capable. And so more than anything, it's just a pep talk. Like, no, 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 you've got this. Like you're a problem solver and you got to eat. So let you can find a way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's just that kind of like yet mentality of like, maybe I don't know how to do this, but that just means I don't know how to do this yet. And once you have yeah. the skill, that's your skill for the rest of your life. Like you can use that in so many other applications. And I have yet to meet anybody that truly like read one of my recipes and was just like, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, I've had people that have read recipes incorrectly or skipped a section or skipped a step and made mistakes on a recipe. And there are even some recipes that people are like, oh, I don't like my food this salty. And so uh, this isn't my favorite, but I've yet to meet somebody that truly was like, well, I just, you know, I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would be as close to the first piece person that you would meet that, that could say that, um, I've made your scotch eggs recipe three times. And on the second yeah. one, it was a total, nightmare mess. <laughs> I totally oh, screwed no. it up and undercooked the eggs. The white wasn't fully set and the yolks were running everywhere. And I like, was able to salvage it, but it, it was not Scrambled a picture. <laughs> it doesn't, it, the picture doesn't belong anywhere <laughs> in your content. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Which is fine. I like that too. And honestly, I think the the hardest thing is realizing that cooking is a process and we want everything to be perfect the first time we do it. And, you know, there are a lot of tips that are going to help you turn out great food the first time. Um, but the reality is like, nobody can be there holding your hand and telling you exactly what type of cooker you have and exactly what temperature you're cooking at. And, you know, that's part of the process. We get to, we get to make mistakes a little bit and we get to do it wrong every once in a while and we get to learn from it. And the next time we do it better. I love that. That's great. No, that's great advice. I would like to know about your process. How does one just like develop recipes? <laughs> um, I've made a few things on my own, you know, over the years and things that I really like, but how, what is your process of making a recipe from start to finish? That is a great question. Um, I, mix of things. I get inspiration from everywhere. I get inspiration from walking through the grocery store. I get inspiration at night when I'm trying to fall asleep. Um, but I also get inspiration from readers and people who follow along and say, oh my gosh, you know what I would love for you to have a recipe for? 
as like, could you like smoke some beef cheeks or something? Like they'll give me a protein and then just say, you know, go for it. And Google kind of gives me a lot of that same information. Also, they'll tell me how many people are searching, uh, for barbecue and grilling recipes and what types of recipes they're searching for. And from there I can kind of say, okay, well, they're right. I don't really have a chicken quarters recipe on my website. Like that's something that I should work on. And so I kind of know the protein generally when I start. And from there, I just get to have fun and I keep my pantry pretty well stocked and I keep my fridge pretty well stocked and I keep my spice shelf overly stocked, most certainly. Um, And then I kind of get to pull flavors that sound good to me. And a lot of it will be dependent on what time of year it is. So if I'm cooking chicken quarters in the spring, it might be chicken quarters with a blackberry thyme sauce, or I might make up a homemade barbecue sauce if it's middle of the summer or in the fall, it might be, you know, chicken quarters with roasted butternut squash. Who knows? Uh, I just get to have a lot of fun based on, you know, what's available and what's seasonal and, uh, what I think would be really, really delicious with that particular item. And then I just play with it. And most of my recipes take several times to nail them down, uh, to really get them to a point where I feel like the process is simple. I try to cut out steps wherever I can to make the cooking process more accessible and more simple. Um, and you know, are the ingredients accessible for a majority of my readers? And am I happy with the flavor profile? Am I happy with how it tastes? And sometimes I get it right in the first time or two. And sometimes it takes me three times. Sometimes it takes me five. I've had some that have taken 10 and then I just never want to cook or eat that thing again. (laughs) (laughs) But by the time we're done, we've really nailed it down. So, uh, yeah, it's a really fun process. And I think that's my favorite part about my job because, you know, running the business now has a lot more than just recipe development in it. But the recipe testing days are far and above my favorite. Gotcha. Wow. Um, so we love the scotch eggs. We love the Brazilian garlic steak. We uh, pulled up that recipe um, after we went to a local Brazilian steakhouse, which I love. And it's so yeah. yummy. So the garlic steak was just so yummy. So we wanted a copycat recipe. Yours was the first one that popped up. It was tremendous, really good, like marinated meat. Is there one recipe that you absolutely love? It's your number one favorite or maybe one that you developed that you're super proud of? Oh, my gosh. Uh, this one's silly, but it's the one that came first to mind because it's like one of the funniest ones and it always comes up is the hot dog burn ends. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> I say that I it's like that. the one that I'm like the most proud of or anything for any reason, but it was one where, uh, I just got to be really creative and have a lot of fun. And, you know, it was this moment where barbecue was just lighthearted and, people like to shake their fists at that one. Cause there are like, as much as I say, barbecue is fun. There are some people that really are protective of their, their barbecue style based on the region that they grew up in. And Utah, we don't have a lot of that. We don't have this big like barbecue history, but like go to the Carolinas, go to Memphis, go to Kansas city, go to central Texas. And all these guys will like fight you about what a burnt end is or what barbecue is in Texas. Like beef is barbecue, but in the Carolinas only pork is barbecue. And Um, so like, I, I, I just don't have that same, like real gusto (laughs) for like barbecue traditions necessarily. Cause I wasn't raised around any. And so to be able to create a, a burn ends recipe out of hot dogs, that is certainly not traditional is certainly not historical in any way, but 
was just an expression of me having fun and cooking stuff that like my kids like, and that my family likes, and that's fun to take to a party. Uh, that one, that one was fun. Mm. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's why I'm so appreciative of people like um, Aaron Franklin, who, you know, he's in Austin, he's doing a thousand pounds of brisket every single day, selling it out, yet he shares his method and his recipe. And that's the only way I was able to learn how to cook a brisket. And it's like 30 minutes of content, absolutely free. Like, that's really cool. Like, I I appreciate them sharing that message because you're right, it can be very, very protective depending on where you are. Um, Yeah. You have mentioned, um, you know, taste and flavor profiles and things like that. Somebody asked me not too long ago how they should think about things like salt and seasonings and they put it together like it was the same thing and it's really not the same thing thinking about salt versus thinking about seasonings how do you distinguish those two things um i think salt is going to enhance the flavor of whatever you put it on uh it's it's not going to taste salty when you use it right like salt is going to taste make beef taste more beefy it's going to make chicken tastes more like chicken. Uh, it's really just, uh, an enhancer in my mind, uh, seasonings and spices taste like seasonings and spices, and even salt can enhance the flavor of seasonings and spices. So I use them in tandem, but I definitely don't think that you can lump them together because like that your favorite Brazilian steakhouses, a lot of those are just seasoned with literally just salt and the meat and the smoke And, you know, the coals that it's cooked over, those become the ingredients and those become the star and those become the main flavor profiles. And the salt just enhances that and makes it all taste better. So Mm. yeah, that's kind of how I think about salt and seasonings. Mm. So why did you decide to start a line of seasonings? Um, Because people asked me to. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, I really had no intention of selling products because a lot of what you see sold are these secret recipes. You know, you can only get them if you buy the bottle, but I give out all of my recipes on the website. That's, I mean, my main business model is sharing recipes for free and helping people make better barbecue at home. And one of my most popular recipes was my sweet rub. And it's kind of just this signature blend of brown sugar and smoked paprika and salt and pepper and garlic and onion and Um, the recipes online and you can make it at home. And I wanted people to make it at home because you can use it on everything you're cooking. You can use it on pork chops. You can use it on steak and pork shoulders and you can use it on chicken. And it's just like great on anything you're going to put on the grill or the smoker. It's a seriously fantastic all-purpose seasoning recipe for the barbecue. And it just exploded the first time I shared it because like I said, I don't think a lot of people had been sharing those types of recipes. They were pretty heavily guarded secrets. So I've just gave it out for free. And people, like you said, were, they were grateful. They were appreciative. And um, then it grew to the point where people were like, I am making a pound of this a week. Wow. Please, can you bottle this? Like we're using it on everything that we cook. We're giving it out to friends and family. Like we would love to be able to just buy it and have it prepared. And we really want the convenience of a pre-made seasoning. And additionally, like it'd be a cool way for us to be able to support you you know, after you've given us all this free content. So that's kind of what started the thought process for bottling our seasonings and our sauces was, you know, we had people saying, Hey, can, can I just buy it? <laughs> like <laughs> that would be convenient to me. And I really hadn't thought much about that. Cause my whole tenant was cook it at home, make it like, make your own thing. You don't have to do store-bought. Um, but I really also am a mom of three kids. So I appreciate things that are convenient and I appreciate people who, you know, do some things for me so that I can save a step and save a little bit of time. And 
So that that's what started the wheels turning for actually bottling our stuff. And it's been such a fun and amazing aspect of our business to be able to grow. Yeah. So it's been super cool. And, you know, from there we've gone on, we have five seasonings. Now we have five sauces and I love every single one of them. They're like one of my children. <laughs> I love that. We got to, we got to call out. I mean, some of your quality ingredients, we got to call out another local Utah company. Tell us about the salt you use in your seasonings. Yeah, we've used real salt um, from the very beginning of our development process because that's the salt that I use at home. And like you said, it's a Utah company. I grew up with real salt on the table at my family's restaurant. So it's something that I grew up eating. Wow. <laughs> uh, I've always had real salt on, you know, on the table at home at my house and, and with my family. So it just made a lot of sense to put stuff in our bottles that I was using at home. And that kind of has carried through in every product that we've made because I am using this at home and I am feeding this to my kids. So uh, I get to be really picky about what goes in there. And real salt is one of the ingredients that we use, but we also don't use any high fructose corn syrup. We don't add any uh, liquid or artificial smoke or flavorings. And it's, yeah, it's really, it's really fun to be able to have a product that I feel good about feeding to my family and my kids. It's awesome. It looks delicious. I have not made an order yet, but I will be making one today. I cannot wait. Um, they look really, <laughs> really good. I want to talk a little bit um, too about um, the business side of things and what it was like to be able to move out on your own. How scary was that? Was there a lot of resistance, obstacles you had to overcome? What, what, is it, what was it like to decide that you were going to do this full time? Oh, I mean, well, when I first started, I'd been working part-time from home for Traeger and developing recipes from home. And I just thought like, I, th this is what I love. Like, I felt like I had like found the thing that I loved and that I was just good at. And that was barbecue recipe development. And I was like, I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop doing this. Um, and additionally, I want to, I feel like I have the ability and the capacity to be uh, the face that's representing, you know, people like me in barbecue that are home cooks, backyard chefs that aren't necessarily on the competition circuit, don't really have a restaurant, but just want to make better barbecue at home. And so when I sat down, I was with my husband and uh, I wasn't working at Traeger anymore. I was kind of adrift and figuring out, you know, what the next steps are. And we really did benefit from having that second stream of income. So we were like, well, what do we do? And I knew that if I was going to devote my time and my effort and my talents and my attention on this project, that it had to be something that eventually could be a business, even if it wasn't immediately. And so I started with that end goal in mind that this, this could be something that could eventually generate some revenue for us. And so I started Googling like, do food blogs make money? Like, <laughs> cause like I said, I was familiar with blogging as a business, but I didn't really know anyone that was blogging professionally um, about food. And I didn't know if that was possible, but I had to believe it was because I was getting paid by Traeger to write about food. So I was like, there must be some money in it somewhere. <laughs> like, there has to be <laughs> like, there has to be a business model where this would work. And so I did a lot of research and I, you know, set my site up with what at the best time at that time were like best practices for a website and just plugged away. And I put myself out there as often as possible. I tried to do as many local TV spots as possible. Um, I partnered with a couple local businesses to help promote their products. And 
I uh, developed recipes for a couple other websites on the side and just hustled my way into this website being a business for us. And it took a couple of years before I would call it a full-time business. And before that, I called it my jobby. It was like my job, but also my hobby because I just loved everything about it, but it wasn't super profitable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, it did eventually grow into something that was a business. And, you know, Todd came on, uh, almost three years into the process. And I said, I, I either need to hire somebody or you have to come home and watch these kids so that I can like devote a little bit of extra time into this. Cause I really was only working in the fringe hours, you know, nap times and bedtime. And, uh, it was not uncommon that Todd would come home from work. We'd put the kids to bed and then I'd sit and plug away on the computer for four to six more hours at night. So it was something that uh, I was really excited about and I was really passionate about. And I knew that it had the potential to grow into a business. And we're so fortunate that it has. And like I said, we've expanded now to a team. We have uh, teams that help us with our social media and our content development and our email writing and our video editing and uh, all of these things that we absolutely could not do on our own at the, like the scale and the scope that we're doing it now. So it's been really rewarding and really fulfilling to not only do work that I'm super excited about and passionate about, but to, um, have that grow into a business that's supporting our family and the families of our employees. It's, it's really cool. That's so amazing. That's such great insight into that kind of process because it's so easy for the rest of us to just sit back and see your site and to see your content and see your followers and be like, wow, she's so lucky. Like she really, you know, struck gold here and has a nice little following and that's cool. She gets to take, gets to take some pictures, you know, of her food and maybe, you know, come up <laughs> with a few recipes. Like, no, that that is a grind that takes years and years and years. It requires help of several different people and, and people don't see that part. They don't see the, the work and those late nights and the nap times and all the times that you decided to, to go after it. It's, it's really cool. I really love that insight. Um, I don't know if you guys have like a mission or a vision statement or anything, but what are some of your guiding principles as a company? Um, we do. We actually have a mission statement and we say it in every one of our YouTube videos. So if you ever watched one of our videos, I'm sure you've heard it, but our whole goal is to help you make better barbecue so you can feed the people you love and become a backyard barbecue hero. Wow. And that's kind of the overarching mission of both the website and the product company and our online barbecue school called the Grill Squad. Um, we we really believe that sitting down and eating together can change a lot of hearts and can make the world a better place and can make our children grow up in an environment that feels really safe and supporting. And um, we think that barbecue can be a really good part of that because, I mean, it happens, but most people don't have other people over if they're just going to like microwave some TV dinners or, you know, cook us like make a salad, but they will have people over if they're going to throw a barbecue. Right. And mm. so we think that barbecue can really be a, a moment that brings people together. It can really be an opportunity that, you know, unites neighbors and friends and family members, and we can build these collective community memories around these meals. 
That's rad. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It's really interesting. I know you talk a lot about, you know, your family, your kids involving them, your husband, and everybody kind of working together, bringing in some employees that are also, I believe, family members. Um, 2020 was an interesting one because, you know, those social gatherings that you were talking about, they kind of went away for a little while and forced you guys inside. What kind of growth did you notice within your own family of being make, maybe like a little bit more nuclear when the kids were home and, you know, you guys were home? What, what, how, how did you guys grow together as a family? <laughs> well, I'll do my family and then I'll do community as a whole because we saw some really interesting thing hap things happen with like our analytics and our website during the pandemic also. But for our own family, um, you know, I really focused on having those family meals anyway, uh, but working from home was weird. It was weird during the pandemic. And I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way. And our kids were actually homeschooled the last year. And that's the first year we've ever had kids home during the entire school year. So we were literally never apart from each other. It was like my Todd was home all the time working. I was home all the time working, but also not working because we were homeschooling and I took the lead on homeschooling the kids and parenting the kids. And so it was just a really interesting dynamic of shifting our time and shifting our priorities. And we did some really amazing things together and we loved the time freedom that we were able to have, you know, cause there weren't a million activities to go to back and forth all of the time. And so we did, we got to spend some time with family and we got to spend some time, uh, you know, really enjoying each other's company. And instead of just the family dinner, we were able to have family breakfast and lunch and dinner. <laughs> so we, we spent a lot of quality time around the table this last year, which is awesome. And I think that trend carried out into uh, you know, our society, our greater society. And we saw barbecue see a huge uptick over the last year, wow. way, way huge. And I think it's because people were home. And so if you're working from home, guess what? You can smoke a six hour rack of ribs where you probably wouldn't be able to do that if you were working until 5 PM, unless you wanted to eat at 11 o'clock at night. But if you're home, you can certainly go throw those on in between zoom calls at 11 o'clock and then have dinner ready at five. So we saw a lot more people firing up the smokers and planning these meals together as a family. And even if it wasn't, you know, a huge gathering, more people were still seeking those opportunities to gather and seeking that I, I, barbecue is a little bit of like escapism a little bit because you can just focus on meat and flavors and fire and have some fun and release some tension and then eat really, really good food at the end of it. It's like therapy a little bit. And so I think a lot of people really enjoyed that and, and found themselves cooking more frequently for their friends and family during the last year, which is super cool. Mm, yeah, I love that. Did you notice any like different, like creative kind of virtual ways that people found ways to connect with others? Um, our online barbecue community really grew. So we do, we have an online barbecue school and tied to that as a private Facebook group. And we saw the interactions there really start to go up and people were seeking ideas from each other and validation from each other and posting about the cooks that they did at home. And it kind of did feel like, you know, a big online barbecue, <laughs> like a potluck, you know, like, Oh, look what I brought this week. And everyone's like, Oh my gosh, that looks so great. Like, what's your recipe? How'd you figure that out? And uh, so that was, that was really cool. That was fun to be a part of. That's awesome. It still is. I, I feel like it hasn't changed. Like people are just so excited to share and, and to contribute in the barbecue community. Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the habits that we, you know, were kind of forced into last year, a lot of them are going to stick. And so it'll be interesting yep. to see how that develops down the road. Before I ask you what you think, um, the company, the direction the company's going in the future, I have to ask who, who came up with the name that was really good. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Todd and I both at the same time, actually, the name kind of found us, it feels like. So we were, 
I knew I was going to start this website and I knew that I was going to be a female in the barbecue space. And so I wanted some feminine representation in the name itself. So we were playing with, you know, my name, like, oh, Susie, Susie Q. We're like, oh, it's kind of cheesy. We were swapping girl for grill in all sorts of ways. And so uh, it, we, we just hadn't settled on anything. We were driving from you know, Northern Utah to Southern Utah to visit some family. And we had this three hour drive and we were just going back and forth, man. Okay. What can we call it? What can we call it? And we just hadn't settled on anything. And we were walking through the grocery store, um, getting some ingredients for a recipe that we were making. And my husband found it and he was on a different aisle than me. So he yelled like, Hey girl. And I was on the other aisle and I yelled, Hey, and that was like, Oh, Hey girl. Hey grill. Hey. And it was silly and it was funny. And there have been so many times that I'm like, should I change this? Like, it kind of seems a little bit lighthearted, but over and over, I just keep coming back to that. Like, no, like really at the end of the day. And if you look at our branding too, like we have really bright neon colors. Everything is very vibrant. Um, We think barbecue should be lighthearted and we think barbecue should be fun. And we think, uh, you know, maybe by having that a little bit silly of a name or a brand or colors that it will remove that intimidation factor. It's not stodgy. It's not a stick in the mud. It's not uh, angry or scary. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's fun and we think it should be fun. So the name has stuck with us through all these years, that's, which is great. That's amazing. What a great story. I absolutely love that. And yes, please <laughs> do not change your name or branding. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> absolutely love it. Where are you guys going in the future? What things are you working on? Um, man, we are, I'm actually toying with the idea right now. And I've actually interviewed a couple of people. I'm super excited to bring on a second female recipe developer for the website. Um, because I think even more perspectives in the barbecue world are always a good thing. And so hopefully that's something that we'll be adding soon as some additional recipes to the website. We have over 450 on there right now, and I'm adding one new one every week and I just feel like we could do more. So that'll be really exciting. Um, I'll be, I'll be sure to introduce her when, when we add her to the website here in the next little bit. Um, products we're working on more national distribution for our products. So hopefully, you know, listeners will be able to find them in their local stores. If you're in Utah, we're everywhere in Utah. We're in Harmon's and barbecue pit stop stores and all of the Cal ranch stores and sportsman's warehouse stores through like, you know, Wyoming, Nevada, Idaho, Arizona, um, Colorado. So that's pretty cool. And we're just working on, you know, expanding the reach there with our product line and, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Honestly, I didn't know that I'd be here when I started. So sure. we're just grateful every day for the opportunity to keep doing what we love. I love it. What a great answer. You have so much going on and, you know, managing the company and, and developing recipes and all this stuff going on. What, what ways do you, um, prioritize your health and fitness and are there certain like workouts or anything that you do with your nutrition personally that helps you stay on top of your game? Oh my gosh. That is, uh, we, we joke about that all the time because it's barbecue. Like we get to eat barbecue all the time. And that's one of our most asked questions, which is weird because I am not a guru on your health. Please don't ask me health and fitness advice for your own (laughs) life because I am the least qualified to give it to you of any human being is, but people always ask, how are you not 400 pounds with all that food? And I think we're just really blessed, uh, to have food. And so, you know, we're, we're able to share. And I think that's the biggest thing is, and there have been a lot of studies about this too, is when you sit down and eat, um, you eat differently 
than when you're eating in a rush or so we just, we just have the privilege of being able to sit and eat really mindfully. And I honestly, I don't know anything other than that is just like, we really like to be conscientious about what we're consuming. And I don't stress too much about exactly what it is that I'm consuming. Um, but just taking the time to, to eat mindfully and to eat with my family and to enjoy the food that's in front of us. That's a great answer. <laughs> that is a great answer. It's not dogmatic. It's not you have to eat X or Y. Like, that's a great answer to slow down and be mindful. You, I mean, anybody would be more healthy if they just kind of tasted their food a little bit more and enjoyed it with great company. There's so much more to, you know, nutrition than just eating the food and how many calories of this or that or the other. That that was a great answer. I think that automatically makes you know a lot more about health and fitness than you think you know. <laughs> Well, I just know a lot about eating. So (laughs) that's where all my information comes from is years and years of eating. And I find that I enjoy it the most when I'm eating with the people that I love. I love that. That's great. Uh, Going back to the business, I want to know if there's one surprising thing that you have learned along the way that you weren't um, initially expecting when you got into running your own business. I think the biggest takeaway for me is that we as human beings are just incredibly capable And, um, there are always going to be limitations. There are always going to be outside forces working against us. There are always going to be setbacks and other people are always going to have advantages that we don't have. Um, but truly like our, our fate, this life is in our own hands and we have the ability to change our minds and we have the ability to make choices that will shift and alter the course of our lives. And, I was able to make a choice. And again, this comes from a place of privilege because my husband did have a full-time job where I was able to make a choice to start a business um, that maybe wasn't going to be initially profitable, but I spent $50 to get this business off the ground. That was, I, you know, I set that money aside and our budget was tight with one income. Um, And I set that money aside and said, this is what I'm going to do with it. And that one decision really did change the entire course of our life. And there were multiple decisions after, you know, whether I keep going or whether I quit or how hard I was working or wasn't working. Um, But really, like, we have the power to choose and we have the ability and the privilege to use our agency to chart our own course in this one life that we're given. And I feel so blessed and lucky every day that I was able to point my course down this path. And from both a business and a personal perspective, like to be able to build and run my own business is amazing. And to do that with my family is amazing. And to be able to do it around barbecue is like absolutely beyond what, you know, any person deserves to be able to do. It's really cool. But making that choice is really what started me on that path. And I think we all have the ability to make those little choices and those adjustments every day that can lead us more down the path of where we feel called and where we feel aligned and, and doing the things that we really love to do. What a phenomenal answer. I mean, all, all you're saying is start where you are with what you have and just, just take a step in the right direction, whether you have, you know, several thousand dollars that you can start your company or whether you have 50 bucks. That's, that's yeah. incredible. That's a, that's I a, mean, I bought the domain and, and a year's worth of hosting and said, okay. And I figured out how to, you know, design the, my own website. And I built my own logo on a free, like pick monkey. I think it was online. And, you know, there, there really are a million reasons that will prevent you from doing what you want to do. Um, but those small decisions that push you in the right direction, I think really are what add up over time. Wow. 
such a great answer. I'm going to ask you the exact same question, but I'm going to, I'm going to change it just a little bit. And what surprising ways has grilling and barbecuing changed your life for the better? Oh, every way. (laughs) (laughs) We've covered pretty much every way in this conversation. I knew that would be a tough one for you to answer. Yeah, but I think barbecue has really uh, expanded my horizons in terms of community. Uh, I grew up in a really tight-knit community, a tight-knit like religious community and a very tight-knit family. I'm the youngest of six kids. And so, you know, my world was pretty full of, of family and friends that kind of all thought the same way I did and experienced the same things I had. And barbecue has given me this immense privilege to travel and to meet different people of all of these different backgrounds and to, um, you know, have experiences with individuals that have very, very different backgrounds than me and very, very different upbringings and opinions and beliefs than me. And it's only made my uh, horizon bigger. It's made my community larger and it's made my perspective better. And I mean, I would say that maybe not necessarily like barbecue the food, but uh, what the community has, has given me in return has been so incredible and so immense. And Um, yeah, I think it's just been a big perspective and eye-opening, like it's given me a better worldview over time. So that's been super, super cool. So cool. (laughs) Two great answers. I love both of those. What would you, what would you tell the listener? Um, maybe just one simple tip that they could walk away from this conversation with that could help them in their lives. Uh, use a thermometer. Great answer. (laughs) I thought you were going to say help them in their barbecue and that would be the barbecue one. Like definitely use a thermometer because then you don't have to guess if your meat is done or not. Like you just stick it in there and it tells you like, oh yes, this meat is cooked. You probably won't kill your family, but that is also good life advice. So I think it goes both ways. Like don't undercook your food and make your family really sick. Wow. Use a thermometer. I love it. That's a great answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great answer. This whole conversation has been so many tips that cross over. It's not just about the food, but there are so many life lessons in everything that you've said. We just, we really appreciate you and the way you're approaching this and the way that you're sharing your message. Where again, would you like people to go to find you, connect with you and discover your delicious recipes? Oh man, we're everywhere. So however you like to consume content, we're probably there. Uh, the website's heygrillhay.com. We have over 450 recipes on the website, which has like printable options, which is super nice. Uh, if you are a mobile person, we have a mobile app. Just Google Hey Grill Hey in your Apple or your uh, Google Play Store and our app will pull up. And that's really cool. It has some super fun features in there, like a shopping list and a menu planner, which we really love. Um... Instagram, we post uh, long form YouTube videos every single week to YouTube where I actually show you how to cook a recipe at home. So you don't have to guess like, is it supposed to look like this? Or yes, you'll be able to see exactly what it's supposed to look like. Um, And then we have our online barbecue school and community called The Grill Squad. So you can look up The Grill Squad and become a member if that's something that you're interested in. And what else? We have rubs and sauces if you wanna buy stuff. And that might be it. And meat sweat headphones or uh, headbands. <laughs> we do have meat sweats headbands. Yes, phenomenal. If you want, you want to go above and beyond just rubs and sauces. We also have t-shirts and headbands that will keep the sweat out of your eyes while you're cooking. I love it. That was my favorite product by far. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Susie Bullock, what a fun conversation. Um, again, we just we think you're doing this really the right way and coming at it in a way that really helps people and helps give people these gifts of, of understanding how to feed their family and how to have a great time doing it. So thank you so much for all the work you've done with Hey Grill Hey. Thank you so much for sharing that content and making it really accessible. And thank you so much for coming onto our show today. Oh, thanks for having me. This was awesome. Yeah, it was totally an honor. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.